this episode of Comedy Rewind. Where does the Wayne's World Bohemian Rhapsody scene rank amongst the most iconic of the decade? Does talking to the camera work or is it just cheesy now? Will bleeping swear words make this podcast more accessible and funnier? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica and 8-Bit.net as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and party on, Logan Wilkinson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jono? I mean, I'm fantastic. This fine, beautiful Friday afternoon <laughs> or Saturday morning, wherever you are in the world, listening to this, driving your little car full of nuns. It's a great time to be alive, man. You know what I mean? That's it. It is. And I get to chat with you. It's always mm-hmm. a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. You're our very first international, I guess, New Zealand Ooh. counts as international, but you're yeah. our first American listener, uh, co-host. Here's the thing, and it's time that Tom knew this. New Zealand is basically just a colony of Australia, <laughs> and they should just like be like, they're like the like, I don't know, like eighth state of Australia. Have states? I think you have seven states. Is that right? Six states, maybe? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, see, I knew it. Yeah, I did. Don't crush myself. Yeah, it's state of Australia, basically. <laughs> well, you said it, not me. So <laughs> New Zealand can direct its its hate towards... All the Kiwis can direct their anger to me, yeah. Yeah. So, Logan, tell us a bit about what you do. Uh, yeah, you yeah you can find me all across the internet here, at Logie on Twitter, all those things that exist, I guess. I'm a chucklehead who talks about video games and other things. Uh, I like movies a lot, uh, music. And like- writes about them. Too. Yes, and writes about them, podcasts about them, do a lot of podcasts, do a lot of writing, um, trying to get more into the writing part again. Um, and yeah, just generally try to be a cheerful little fellow on the internet and uh, mainly just talk a lot about, you know, pizza, video games, movies, and uh, Hamilton. And Taylor Swift, new Fantastic. album, is rad. <laughs> Great. Well, we've got a movie here to talk about, and mm-hmm. it's Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Which is something that was. I wouldn't say it was a huge part of my childhood, but it was definitely a presence. It was yes, something that was absolutely. always there. It was something that was definitely referenced a lot amongst mm. a couple of my friends. Uh, I, I always mention, shout out to Smallsy, friend of the show. We watched a lot of these movies together. Mm. There was a lot of schwing happening mm. in, uh, in in certain parts of, of our adolescence. Uh, what's your early memories of this film? So it is definitely, I feel like, similar ways, like... Wayne's World was like a part of like growing up in like the nineties, early two thousand, I feel like. Like the movie came out ninety two. The year I was born, right? The year I was born. So I was like what, February? So I was literally a month old, um, when this movie <laughs> came out. But like obviously like Wayne's World and Mike Myers had such a huge kind of pop culture effect. Um mm. that like it was always on TV. And so like by like the end of the nineties I'd seen this movie and then into the two thousands I watched it again and again and again. Um, it was funny to like watch the movie again and then in particular immediately after viewing like going to the Wikipedia page and reading it and like I hadn't really realized that like this was the thing that like popularized that's what she said like when I first kind of saw it on Wikipedia page yeah. I was like, oh that's crazy like I'd never really thought about that but it was like it predates Michael Scott from The Office kind of thing right and like Party On is obviously like a, one of the big ones and then for me and my friend group it was like the not part of like saying like a really positive statement and just being like not and then just like kind of like laughing at me and dumb and chuckle ahead about that yep. but i feel like it's it's something that like i really like mike myers a lot like he's one of he's one of my favorite 90s comedians and i don't know if this is my favorite mike myers movie but it's definitely in the running and it's probably the mike myers movie that i have like the most like soft spot nostalgia place mm. in my heart and certainly the one that i watched like not kind of trick the one that i watched most as a kid was right. Wayne's <laughs> for sure and, and like it is funny like 
reading about it and watching it again and just like the idea of Wayne's World of just like two or just like a few friends doing like a low production, essentially like early podcast, basically, if you want to call it that, yeah. like TV show, like in their basement. It's like, oh man, like a lot of us are basically just doing like a modern version of Wayne's World in our own basements or living rooms or bedrooms yeah. now. And like, I, I loved that too, being like, oh man, like we kind of became Wayne and Garth in our own way, which is like in itself kind of really cool. Yeah. The, the original content creators. Yeah, exactly, right? The original content creators out there. Yeah, it's interesting uh, the way you talk about Mike Myers and mm. this being the film that you go back to. Was it, for you, something where you probably discovered him via another movie like Austin Powers or something and then went back to Wayne's World being a bit younger and maybe not getting caught up in, in those movies originally? It's weird. It's hard, obviously, because like, it's all like smushed together, but like... I definitely feel like I saw this before I saw Austin Powers, and I I would have probably seen this before I saw Shrek. Like this would have been one of the earliest Mike Myers movies I would have seen, mm. like this. And I remember I was older when I saw this other one, but like I remember seeing, I think it's like I'm married to an axe murderer. Um, so I married an axe murderer. Yeah, yeah which is one movie. of my all time favorite deep cut movies. Like I, I loved that movie when I saw it. And, like I've only seen it like two or three times. But, like I love that movie, and like nobody knows it. It's like a super deep cut Mike Myers movie. I feel like. And I love that film. And, like, that and Wayne's were, like, the two I watched and, like, really, really, like, took hold of me, right? Like, even more than Austin Powers, I like Wayne's World. Mm. Okay. So, for me, it's a little similar, whereas, you know, I was only five when this movie came out and I very much discovered it on VHS as a rental uh, later in my early adolescence, where there was probably, I don't know, I was probably nine or ten years old when I first saw it. And... You know, it's not super edgy or it's yeah. not like vulgar or anything. So yeah. I'm pretty sure my parents would have been happy for me to be watching a movie like this. And it was, I think, made as kind of a dumb comedy, but it was filmed by some very smart people. Yes. Uh, including, uh, I guess, Lorne Michaels being the Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call him. Godfather. Executive producer, the, showrunner. Yeah. Executive producer. Yeah. And this was that first well, not the first, but it's, it's the, the second first, probably one. successful branch from a sketch mm-hmm. into a film. Airheads came before this and didn't do quite so well. So I think we've got a, a film here that's based around a very kind of loose concept. And it was a challenge to see if they could extrapolate it into a full length film, which at the time it was really successful. It made mm-hmm. $183 million on a, a budget of only 20 mil. But uh, looking back at it now, I'm not quite so sure that it uh, holds up as well as it did mm. at the time. And I know like our friend Brendan White recently watched this as well and wasn't overly impressed by, by how well it holds up. And some of that, I think, is to do with the style of the film and maybe it's like the breaking the fourth wall thing that mm. feels a bit thin compared to how we make movies now. But we can get into all of that stuff a bit later on. I, I think as far as my like early memories i don't even know if i saw this before wayne's world 2 it was one of them yeah that's the thing like i'm not sure which one i saw out of those two films first yeah it was yeah it was definitely something as i mentioned before it was very quotable mm-hmm. definitely some some moments you mentioned before some expressions that became part of the lexicon yeah especially amongst young people but this was a, a bonnie and terry turner written film along with mike myers who people might know as the creators of Third Rock from the Sun and that 70s show. They also, I'm pretty sure they worked on Cone's Head and Tommy Boy and 
the Brady Bunch movie as well. So they are some fairly prolific comedy writers, especially in the 90s. And this movie was made in 34 days. I'm not sure if that was to fit around the Saturday Night Live production, but pretty pretty quick turnaround there. And I I don't want to say it shows, but it's because it's, it's hard to tell if it's just the fact that it was filmed in 92 that makes it feel like it's, um I don't know, it, it does seem like a cheaper movie in some aspects. Does that make sense to you? It, it does. I think, I don't know, like it, it sounds like based off what you're saying and what we kind of heard before recording, I feel like I might be the one who enjoys this movie the most out of the three of us. Um, hmm. Like, I, I think it's still, I, I still enjoy this. And like, definitely it's part of the thing of like, I like the nineties and like, this is like a seminal nineties film. I feel like in terms of comedy hmm. um, and its influence, but also because like, I think especially watching it now, like I like the kind of maybe slightly low budget, like, fourth wall break and stuff and then the fact that it's just like two guys trying to do like a show and i was like man like i'm just kind of waiting out here just trying to do a show just kind of like be a goofy thing trying to just like hang with cassandra like i'm here for that and like it's also that thing of mike myers is just like really really charming and he yeah, is just like he he's is. just really <laughs> and this is like right as he's entering peak mike meyer years um from like now all the way to probably like shrek 2 like that phase like that like 12 year period like he's just peak um and i think for me i really loved seeing this kind of er- obviously the very early mike myers from a very early kind of younger myers myers and dana carvey's chemistry is stupid good like it's so crazy how yeah. good the chemistry is and how like well they work together on screen i think there are scenes from this movie that like when i watched it years and years and years ago i still think about to this day and like the Indian is one of them which I feel like is going to be one of the most like maybe uh disagreement filled <laughs> parts of this discussion possibly but like I loved the Indian um as a kid and watching it again now I'm like man it's still really it's still pretty cool and then like obviously like I feel like the most iconic scene of the entire film the Bohemian Rhapsody thing absolutely still works like it absolutely still lands I feel like and so like all of the best parts of the movie I feel like are still stand up and are still, still hold up, yeah yeah it's definitely still hold up and i still like great comedic moments and the parts that are maybe aren't as good i feel like there aren't just a ton of them so it doesn't overwhelm it um so mm. i i enjoy it like it like Warren's was never my favorite 90s movie growing up as a kid like comedy but it was definitely one that i always really enjoyed talking about and like watching um and i think watching it again now it's like yeah I, i'm still content with what this movie is and happy with what this movie is yeah, there's definitely a unique style to this film. It's a blend of yeah, like I think that's it too. Yeah, it's a it's a good kind of it's a blend of breaking the fourth wall. There's a lot of meta gags, yeah, catchphrases. Gags, yeah. There's a, a a good flavor of that rock and and metal culture of the early nineties. It's almost like a meme movie before memes are even a thing. It kind of is like it's very like meta, like <laughs> yeah. tongue in cheek, just like all yeah. it's like everything is just like an inside joke, and it's just it's. I really kind of appreciate the fact that that movie is just so weird. Like I don't really know if yeah. the movie would work. Like, I don't even know if they could make a movie like this now, but, like, I don't even think they really could have made a movie like this then. And it just kind of came out and existed, and there's, like, not really a lot of other comedies like it. Yeah, it kind of walks the line between something like a straight comedy, like something maybe like Dumb and Dumber, and then, like, a a kind of Naked Gun or Hot Shots kind of satire. So, you're kind of, like, they're talking about, like, they're overtly saying, like, oh, here's some exposition, or (laughs) just referencing the MacGuffins of the film and, Mm -hmm. and all the kind of inside... They're basically laying it out on the table of yeah. what's happening in the film, and it's it's funny at points, and I wonder if 
if that's something that was done much at the time, that kind of blend between mm-hmm. straight up comedy and, and the spoof. I feel like it wasn't. I feel like I feel like I didn't see I feel like there's not a lot of films that walk that kind of thin middle line between those two genres that, and like or at least mm-hmm. they like do it and do it really well. And I feel like this does it and does it well. because um, it is I feel like a hard marriage to pull because there are kind of two very different comedy genres. Um, and I think Wayne's World does it with like a very much like tongue in cheek, like grin and a smirk. And I kind of appreciate that, like wink and charm that it knows. It's like we know that we're like right on the cusp of being like a bad movie, but we're also <laughs> like we also know the fact that we're not. And so like it's this weird thing where like we're just like yeah, like we. I f- so here's my thing. I feel like Wayne's World in 2019. I like I look at it and I'm like. This was the original garbage truck on fire of a film where, like, they're like, yeah, like, this is bad, and this is bad, and this is bad, and this is dumb, but, like, it all works in a very, like, kind of funny way where it's like, man, this is a garbage truck on fire, but also, like, that garbage truck on fire is pretty damn good. And, like, I feel like Wayne's was like, man, this is pretty good, and it's a garbage truck on fire, and they know it, and they own that, and, like, they work with it. It's interesting, I in my research, seeing that Mike Myers didn't like the movie, and he wasn't confident that it would do well. So when him and, and Rob Lowe were kind of in the test screening together... And people loved it. He was almost like shocked at how much people loved it because mm-hmm. it was, it tested really well. Uh, and I, I think that comes down to there was apparently some disagreements about the editing and yes. the director. We might go into it just quickly about the director now. It was Penelope Spheris. Anyway, she was someone that was known to Lorne Michaels from film school or something like that and had directed some rockumentaries the decline of western civilization parts one and two everything she'd done up to this point was fairly small low budget either like drama or horror movie and this was a a comedy that was coming in with a pretty big budget at the time and she had a real vision of, of how it should be but when it came to editing mike myers had his version of what he wanted oh sorry when it came to shooting mike myers had his version the turners as the writers had their version and then she filmed her own and would just edit in mostly what she wanted. And she knew apparently that this would get her fired from being able to work on the sequel, which she didn't because she knew Mike Myers wouldn't be happy. But apparently she she just did what she wanted and it turned out to be a big hit, really big hit. Mm. Uh, Do you have a guess as to the Rotten Tomatoes score for this film? Ooh, what a good question. It's a comedy, so I'm already going to like instinctively go lower. Um... I'll say sixty-one percent. Eighty-four. Really? Okay. Okay. Wow, that's very high, especially for a comedy. It's super high. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's great. It's a great movie. Uh, It is, and I mean, when I say it's a great movie, mostly I mean it was a really great movie for its time, and Mm. we we'll get a bit more into how it holds up. But uh, we'll move on to the the questions for now because I think we've laid we've laid the table for for what's about to come. So. Just to bring a bit of context in, number one uh, song when the movie released in the US was Michael Jackson's Black or White. Ooh. And in Australia, it was Salt and Pepper, Let's Talk About Sex. Yeah, so, all right. Hell yeah. So we're talking, you know, that's Great the choices. era. It's <laughs> And the music is a big part of this film, being that yeah. obviously you got Wayne and Garth as, as metalheads or rockheads. I don't know how metal they really are, but... They, they think they're metal, at least. <laughs> they're very metal. And <laughs> and then Cassandra, obviously, played by Tia Carra- uh, Carrera. She's a fantastic in this movie. And yes. she's she's the, the rock the rock goddess, I guess. And mm-hmm. 
the soundtrack for this movie is a good bl- I think it's a kind of a good blend of music from previous to this era. It doesn't really date the movie to the 90s specifically. It's it's kind of more just like if you're a metalhead, you're probably not listening exclusively to music that's come out contemporary contemporarily, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's a good point. It is a great soundtrack in this movie, though. The stars of this film, we'll talk, what have you done for me lately? Dana Carvey's pretty much moved into stand-up and mm-hmm. animation. His career never really took off as a solo film star, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's played some roles similar to this where it's more of an ensemble. But yeah, leading his own films never really took off for Dana Carvey, which is crazy because he's such an amazing talent. I guess yes. he just didn't have the... Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened, what went wrong for him, but he never had the Mike Myers-esque career that you, you might have seen from him. I wonder if this film or this series is any part responsible for that, of him getting typecast as kind of the... The sidekick. B, yeah, like yeah, the, the side. I wonder. As much as he has like some really great moments and some great comedy in this film, he doesn't like he doesn't get a lot to work with as far as like any depth, I guess. I would feel... And it's interesting too because, from what I remember anyway... I feel like he gets a bigger role under Wayne's World too, and like more comedic moments to shine in mm. that film. Like I feel like he gets kind of more time, like bumps up. From what I remember, like him and Wayne are like separated for a good chunk of that movie, so it's like each of them kind of have their own thing. And so like, I feel like that movie he gets a bigger thing, but obviously Wayne's World two wasn't as big as Wayne's World one, and more mm. to the point, Wayne's World one kind of established, I think, the precedent. Yeah, that's right. So Mike Myers uh, is p- currently working on a comedy series for Netflix, which is pretty cool. Like, he hasn't done a lot of live action lately. It's a lot of, like, he went into the Shrek world for a really long time. And maybe it's because his last couple of movies didn't do so great. Love Guru, uh, the third Austin Powers movie. I can't really think of any other attempts at leading a comedy from him. He, he went into Inglorious Bastards. He kind of done a bit more serious stuff in like really small parts. So him coming back with a comedy series for Netflix, I think that uh, that's going to be interesting because we haven't really seen what he can do as, I guess, the creative talent for a while at least. Yeah, yeah. for some time, right? Yeah. But that's the, thi- that's the thing again where I said it earlier where it's like from like here to like Shrek 2, like that era, he was ba- like every film he was in was basically just like, this is great. Like it's, he just had like a hell of a run, like at basically the most of the 90s into like early 2000s. So it's like, he also was great for a long- He also had a run. I love Mike Myers. Like if I had to do like a Mount Rushmore of like SNL alum, Mike Myers is probably on like that list. He's probably in like the top five. Like it's close. Wow. Like, especially for like, especially for like on a like, after SNL run, but also right. like on SNL, like Mike Myers is so wicked. Like that Mike Myers era, like late eighties, early nineties, is definitely like one of the golden runs of SNL. But like, like that cast is stacked, and so and it kind of helped like save SNL. And so I think Mike Myers is just like an incredibly talented comedian, right? And like Wayne's World is a weird one too. I feel like where. Without it, I don't know if we would have gotten any of the other kind of SNL alums to then have their own. Like, I feel like it paved the way for like Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and Will Ferrell and all these people to kind of do their own film projects and do their own film things. Mm. And so I As think a, it's like, while they were still cast members, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I feel like it helped pave the way for the people too. And like Mike Myers doing it. Cause like before Myers, there'd really only been like Eddie Murphy and Chevy Chase and, and like Dan Eric and Bill Murray, but they, but Dan Eric and Bill Murray were like so different that I feel like, 
the track record is like shakier and then i feel like myra is kind of like now nah, like i'm gonna be a movie star based on what i've done in snl yeah and you're just gonna accept it yeah he, he didn't have as prolific uh, like 90s as like an adam sandler or a sure. jim carrey but he he definitely had a, a good strike rate for the the movies he was putting out up till they started to kind of fall apart as far as the mount rushmore goes i've just jotted down while you're talking yeah give me your yeah, this is mine. I'm, I think you're going to have a hard time arguing against it, to be honest. But I've got Eddie, mm-hmm. I've got Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. I've got Adam Sandler, and I've got mm-hmm. Bill Murray, as far as post-SNL careers. For post-SNL, so we're talking like not SNL work, just post-SNL work. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise you'd have like Chris Farley on there, I think. So, so I think, based on post-SNL work alone, Bill... Eddie and Will, I think, are probably... Certainly Bill and Eddie are unquestionable, I think. Um, like, you can't really argue with that. So you might put Mike Myers ahead I think of I could Will Ferrell? Mike My- uh, no, I think I could put Mike Myers ahead of Adam Sandler. I think there's an argument okay. to be made for that, at least. Okay. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Um, so, I've got you on the right podcast, then. <laughs> yeah, like, I think... Because like, I'm look- I pulled up Mike Myers' like, filmography here. And he didn't appear in a ton of movies between, like I said, like Wayne's World to Shrek 2, like those, that kind of 12-year gap. But like the ones he were in, right, like Wayne's World, Sorry Married and Axe Murder, Wayne's World 2, Austin Powers 1, 54, Thin Pink Line, Pete's Meteor. Those are all sh- shakier. But then like Austin Powers 2, which is probably the best Austin Powers film, uh, Mystery Alaska, Shrek, Austin Powers 3, Cat in the Hat, View from the Top, Shrek 2. Um, like he gets dice here, but like that's a pretty good run, right? And like, I feel like certainly I'd argue critically, Mike Myers is probably ahead of Adam Sandler, right? Like I feel like Mike Myers' best films, critically at least, would be like ahead of Adam Sandler's best movies. That's possible. That's possible. But yeah. critics uh, have never really liked Adam Sandler that much. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, that's a, a great side tangent. That's not that we could do a whole podcast of just ranking us yeah. alums. Yeah, we might do a bonus episode or something sometime. That'd be fun. Uh, you know how much we love ranking things. I Logan. love ranking things so much. <laughs> we better move on. So Tia Carrera as Cassandra, she's kept working consistently really throughout mm-hmm. her, like since the Wayne's World to now. So shout out to her. Nothing quite as iconic as, as this role, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she, she was awesome in this movie. Yes. And just, he's not he's not a big part of the film, but I think we should mention Ed O'Neill has uh, had kind of probably the best recent career of, of, of anyone in this film with his uh, tenure on Modern Family. I mean, so... All that money. Are you not going to talk about Rob Lowe? Because Rob Lowe's going to oh, be... Oh, sorry. Rob- sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rob Lowe's, Rob, yeah. yeah. Actually, no, I'll take that. Rob Lowe has had kind of a resurgence yeah. since Parks and Rec. I don't know if he went away completely, but he's... Uh, I just listened to an interview with him on Mark Maron's podcast that was, I don't know, probably a year old by this point, but... Yeah, he's he's an interesting dude, and he's had a, a pretty pretty decent career. So shout out to Rob Lowe. Yeah, West Wing for sure. Yeah, that's right. And this film was his uh, first comedy. Like he hosted mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live, and that was when either Lorne or, or Mike Myers was like, "You could be the guy. You could be the bad guy in this movie." And I've got a lot to say about that character uh, coming up soon. <laughs> but for for now, what is the most nineties moment of Wayne's World? Ooh. there's a lot of things like this movie is very 90s uh the, yeah it's a very 90s film for example the opening scene of the film we've got rob Lowe and his girlfriend or mistress i don't know lying on their bed they're watching an old tv you know the old 
CRT box televisions. There's an add on the telly for a clapper, like light system, you know. <laughs> That's very 90s. They're watching this cable TV show filmed in this guy's basement. That is all just very 90s. You wouldn't see anything like that now. Or I don't know, the 80s might have even been too early for some of that stuff. There's a scene where Wayne pulls out his portable CD player oh, yeah, in the hell car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> and just the whole angle of Garth hacking that satellite <laughs> over over America to, to pinpoint this limo and, and beam the, the broadcast into re- the record label executives limo. Like that's that scene and, and the kind of screen on his computer looks like a old video game. Like an almost like a Space Invaders style video game, mm. as he's uh, interfacing with the satellite. Those all struck me as very '90s moments. But what did you have? Yeah, it's interesting too because, like, now that I think about this more, like, you could make the case even like the Bohemian Rhapsody scene, right? Like, would you even mm. be listening to the radio now in 2019 if you had all these people in the car, right? Like, would you or would you just have like somebody's like iPhone, like Bluetooth to the thing, and like <laughs> have like some sort of like Spotify play? Like, that's the thing. Like, even that, like could argue yeah. like a very 90s like scene um yeah like i think they i think they throw a, a cassette tape in for that ta- i mean the cassette I think tape wayne's, is very 90s yeah <laughs> right there, yeah, right yeah, like, yeah it is right i think i think wayne says like let's listen to bohemian rhapsody it's something along those lines okay yeah yeah i just i just watched this a couple of days ago so that but that's a good segue into what's the most iconic scene because i'm not yeah. sure you could have an answer besides the opening with Bohemian Rhapsody. And my memory yeah. of this was a little different from uh, how it actually is because that Bohemian Rhapsody sing-along in the car is broken up with a few moments mm-hmm. of picking up their friend who's, who's like I'm just gonna throw hungover or, th- or, th- or whatever. <laughs> He's pre-hangover, I guess. And then you've got... They're stopping to look at the guitar in the window that becomes a plot point, semi-plot point later on. But yeah interspliced around those moments are this sing-along of Bohemian Rhapsody, which that's probably the scene that sticks out in my mind or is the first thing, the first visual that you think of when you hear Wayne's World. I mean, I think that scene is one of the, like one of the most iconic comedy scenes, right? Like that scene is so iconic. I feel like, like, like to the point now where for people our age, honestly, like that is, if you, if somebody says like Bohemian Rhapsody, that's probably one of the first things to think of is that scene, right? Mm. Like if you think of Queen even like, it's a weird thing where, like, that was my first introduction to Queen, probably. Or, like, certainly mm. one of the first ones. Like, that was my first introduction to Bohemian Rhapsody, probably, right? Like, because when I'm first yeah. watching the movie, like, we... Freddie Mercury had passed away, like, what, probably, like, six months before this movie came out. And so... He had apparently seen the clip Yeah, that's what I read, died, too. Yeah. But, like, he... So, he'd passed away already. So, Queen was done. And so, it's, like, that... But, and so, by the time I was, like, six, seven, eight, nine, like, watched this movie, it had been, obviously six seven eight years since queen had really been active and so like that would be one like and i i, th- I read too where like this movie made that song like kind of re like made it kind of blow up again right like it went to like number two in the charts i think something crazy like that yeah and, it charted higher than it did in its original release right that's the thing right like it's the <laughs> thing where like that scene is so iconic and it's an awesome thing of i think what makes it so iconic what makes it so universal is that like everybody has an experience like that in the car driving with their friends right mm-hmm. like whether it's like going to high school like or leaving high school or just school in general or going to like the local store or anything just all getting in the car and like the song comes on y'all just like perfectly in sync just start singing it and start like head like banging in and like get into it kind of thing like it's such a i feel like universal 
like 16, 17, 18, 19 year old kid thing, like driving the car around with your buddies, and that mm. comes on. Like, and the big one for like our group back in like Missouri was the rare time where like Bohemian Rhapsody itself would come on the radio, and we'd basically just reenact right. a scene them all of a sudden. Like, and it was like it was great. It was like oh, it's perfect. It was like the stars aligning kind of thing, right? And like, it's certainly I think one of the most like <laughs> iconic moments of a '90s comedy, but like really comedies in general. Like this scene is incredibly like iconic and like you like immediately know the movie like what's happening like this like it's like everybody knows of this scene mm. and it's a it's an interesting thing because really all it is is four and then five guys singing a song in their car like on paper the script would have just said wayne garth and other guys sing bohemian rhapsody and it just for, for whatever reason i guess it's like the the song itself and the way that it lends itself to i guess characterization in the different like voice parts and harmonies and everything and like the changes throughout the song it's just it's just material for comedy for whatever reason and mm -hmm. it, it works so well and like you said i don't know if it pop if it made this song what it is but it certainly did for a lot of people a lot mm -hmm. of people like yeah. us like we yeah. wouldn't have known it as, like we would have known it from eventually hearing it on like a queen's greatest hits album or something but it wouldn't have had that extra meaning you got like a second wind from it right yeah it's a thing and like I've, I've heard people talk about it who were around at the time as it, it wasn't this like huge hit it wasn't this it was like kind of not a, not a b-side i'm sure it was it was well liked by queen fans or whatever but it wasn't a song that absolutely everybody knew and uh would drop like i've been in pubs and stuff where it's come on and every conversation has literally stopped, stopped. Yeah. and you just like sing the whole thing from start to finish and that's i think a legacy of uh of wayne's world absolutely like absolutely and it's it's also the thing of like this was a a scene where like mike myers fought for bohemian rhapsody to be in like the original yeah. do like a different song and like i can't even imagine if they'd actually done like a guns and roses like song like they were just kind of thinking like it would just, <laughs> it just so obviously wouldn't have worked as well i feel like that's um, right and so i think I it was i think it was either aerosmith or guns and roses yeah and right and like this is such, and like it's also a thing like it's impossible to even like envision it because like the scene is such an iconic moment, but like it's such a perfect choice, it's such a great pick. Like it, it made it like reignited like kind of like I feel like the passion and like awareness and love of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, it adds so much to that scene, right? And like to your point, I think the simplicity, right, and like kind of the basicness of what is actually happening, like it's just four or five guys in a car headbanging and like singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody is also what makes it so universal, right? Like, across the globe where... Because it is, like, ultimately just them rocking out to a song, right? Like, it's, so it's not, like, a crazy, like, complex wordplay scene or it's, like, not something where, yeah. like, it's heavily focused on, like, dialogue or, like, an in-joke or anything like that. Or, like, it's... But it's even more than that where it's, like, you can be basically anywhere in the entire world. You don't have to, like, speak English, but, like, if you just, like, have a vague idea of, like, Bohemian Rhapsody or even just, like, there are guys listening to a song headbanging and you can understand this and like laugh at it and like be like yeah. that's really funny right and like i think that's what makes it so great too is that regardless of the language you speak or where you're from it's like it's four guys being dumb and goofy in a car jamming to music and it's like that's pretty universal i feel yeah that's a really good point i think and and mike myers even apparently threatened to walk off yeah. or quit the movie if they changed the song like yeah. that's how much he was adamant that it really has to be this song and just like some some background on that scene apparently they all had like sore necks from the head banging and yeah. like Mike Myers was really, I'm going to say he was a bit of a prima donna about having to do that. And like, why do we have to do this? Like, 
do, like does anyone act like this it's stupid like it hurts and the director to her credit penelope spheris as we were mentioning before was like no like this is what would happen and this is important and this will make it and it really does like that's like the the climax of the scene i guess when they mm-hmm. start headbanging and that guitar solo kicks in you wouldn't think that a, a kind of a 12 second clip of a film would result in that but apparently it was like two days of filming <laughs> that's the there. thing like how many takes right because you can't you can't screw up like lip syncing a line or anything right you have to hit like every beat it's like i, I bet you they had to film that scene so much <laughs> to get it right and yet dana carvey still didn't know the lyrics for the last couple of lines <laughs> that he's singing you can see his lips are completely out of sync and it kind of just plays into a gag but that's that's uh, i think he's a little bit embarrassed by that <laughs> So we're not even going to dignify any other scenes in this conversation. That's the most <laughs> no, yeah, iconic it's, it's the scene. One, yeah, it's the one. Uh, what holds up the best, apart from that scene? <laughs> yeah, apart from that scene. Um, I think a few different things do, but I think the simplest answer is also maybe the best one, which is like Mike Myers and Dana Carvey are really good together, right? Like their comedic yeah. timing. That's the thing. Like it's just they're really funny guys. And what almost 20 years later, like them being really funny guys who have like, great chemistry after years on SNL together doing this bit like they're just they know these characters and they know each other's beats and moments and like kind of timing and they work together really well right like they work so well together is I think probably the thing that holds up the best yeah you mentioned that earlier and I really have to agree that you really can buy into them being friends and being these characters even though there are some moments I think where the gags themselves are a bit weak mm. in in hindsight where yeah. they don't exactly land the tone the pacing whatever it might be the characters themselves are, are really great and especially when you think that they came out of a sketch on saturday night live uh and you think that they had never been seen off their couch really and then they had to flesh them out into this kind of full movie and i wonder if um like there would have been people that saw them as kind of a ripoff of of Bill and Ted at the time. I think that came out before this. But um, Mike Myers had had built the character years before that when he was like pre SNL. It was just something that he'd always used to to make his friends laugh or at Second City or wherever he was coming up as a improv comedian. I mean, yeah, Bill and Ted was nineteen eighty nine, but so yeah, I think. There are some similarities in, in like sure. the characters and, and like the language they use and that's a big thing in this movie that's that's quite interesting and might not hold up so great is some of the like slang and stuff mm. that <laughs> I guess we don't use anymore. But as far as holding up the best, you mentioned the characters, you mentioned there's a lot of catchphrases that are still yeah, funny to me today. Still really funny. And there's even those expressions that while watching them now, they're not hilarious because we've heard them a million times before but you can appreciate that they were there to popularize that's what she said yeah the, the whole the not jokes yeah we've seen them done and have resurgences from the office from borat with the not jokes and i'm not going to say that wayne's world was the first to do these because that's definitely not true but it was probably the first exposure to that style of, mm-hmm. of humor for a lot of people um i think the scooby-doo ending holds up pretty well I that agree, whole i agree right i agree <laughs> yeah that whole diddle do diddle do like i that... feel like that's one of the most like divisive parts of the movies like even as a kid like among my friend group some of us liked it some of us didn't but like i think it holds up really well actually like it's like i think it's like 
them leaning as hard as they possibly can into like the meta fourth wall shattering everything mm. but like i think it's actually really clever and like pretty cool and like again it works because like they're in on the joke and they know that we're in the joke and like just kind of go along for the ride and it's like i know like i really like the the multiple endings like it's like yeah. watching like clue or something here <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know if if i've seen it elsewhere before i'm trying to think but there's something about that like oh no that's not the real ending that can't be the ending yeah, we're, right? gonna, we're gonna show you two more versions of it that i feel like especially at the time people would have just been like in hysterics mm. that they would do something that kind of outlandish and it's a good i think that there's not really another way to end the movie <laughs> i can't think of how yeah, they would right? have done it because you, you can't like it, it ends in a way that you're not exactly sure everything's wrapped up so much in a bow that it's like idealistic that it's it couldn't possibly be real for it to be that perfect you know for for Roblo's character to get arrested like he didn't actually i don't know if he actually broke committed the law. a crime yeah right <laughs> you're, um, an and then, like, you're going to jail for it yeah and then you've got like the so there's the two different ends of the spectrum with the the bad ending the, the good ending and then the scooby-doo one in the middle it kind of keeps you guessing about like what's real and mm-hmm. it, it's that surreal kind of thing that that makes it very memorable i think definitely i absolutely agree to that so what holds up the worst as much as some of the stuff we mentioned before is great i think breaking the fourth wall sometimes feels kind of cheesy and doesn't mm. work mm. so well i mean was there anything for you that you felt doesn't age as well as some of the other jokes i mean some of the gags for sure probably don't age well as it did 18 years ago 17 years ago whatever it was i think i like rob's low character but he, i think he also flirts across line constantly of like this is still good is this like still like a great character like i'm not sure um like i think he attempts like doesn't hold up great but like i think it's probably mostly just like like you said earlier like some of the gags don't land like they landed in 1992 um and i think it's just kind of the cumulative nature of them not landing at times but Mm. i also think that yeah it's, it's just it's what we said earlier it's like an extremely it's a very 90s movie and so like if you don't like the 90s or if you don't love 90s comedy that doesn't hold up well it's a, it yep. is what it is. It's an extremely 90s film and like ways that I think are great and clever and awesome and funny and like and still enjoy. But like if you were somebody who doesn't like those things or just like has no particular like nostalgia for them, well, then that doesn't hold up well because it's, it's that this is what the movie is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good point. There's a, a, yeah, it's that whole meta comedy. Yeah. Breaking the fourth wall. Like if you don't respond to that, yeah. then you're just going to look at this. As, <laughs> you're just not going to. Yeah, you're not in for a good ride here, guys. Yeah, and it's not like people don't do that anymore. Deadpool's a really good example of yeah. how that how well that can work. The TV series um, Fleabag on mm, Amazon yeah. is, a, is a good example of that too. But it's a very... I think it dates it in this way. It's a Ferris Bueller's Day Off kind of thing where... Oh, Ferris Bueller's it's, so good. It, like, that's a great movie in itself, but it is that older style where... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's the the breaking the fourth wall exactly, but it's the way that it's done. So it's it's like interspersed throughout the movie, whereas Ferris Bueller is just very much the, the opening kind of act and then it doesn't happen when he's around other people. Uh, whereas yeah, Wayne's, it, Wayne's can be more, it can be more jarring here for sure than it is. Yeah, Wayne's Ferris constantly Bueller. looking at the camera, giving thumbs ups and, and that kind of thing. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hokey, but... And speaking of Rob Lowe, his pants in this movie don't hold up. I always have to throw a fashion 
critique out there, but he's got some pants that are they look like five sizes too big. And I know that's probably the style. That was the a, time, that was the nineties, man. Yeah, yeah, the early nineties at least. There's something in this movie, and I don't know if it's uh, a plot <laughs> hole or just something that doesn't hold up to me, but the amount that people seem to care about Cassandra's cover band just blows me away. <laughs> like, is this a, an alternate universe where she wrote Ballroom Blitz and she wrote Jimi Hendrix's Fire and Why You Want to Break My Heart? Because, like, if I walk into a, a room and there's an amazing cover band, I'm not going to be asking them to film a video clip of a music video of one of those covers and, and I'm not going to offer them a six-album deal <laughs> based off their Ballroom Blitz it's- cover. <laughs> I think it's like a, a thing of it's basically like an early version of the voice, right? We're like you just do covers and you want to yeah. shine record deal, except for she didn't go through a competition. They just saw her and were like, You I like your you've cover style here. Yeah, you've done it. <laughs> yeah, that that perplexed me a little. I was like because I mean as a kid I just thought that these were original songs written. Sure, for the I didn't movie. question like, it, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, let me stand next to your fire. That's that's a song that you've just performed, but it's now I know it's Jimi Hendrix. You've stolen another artist's material and you're making bank off it. It's not cool. And that brings me to my next and most controversial question. Is Rob Lowe a bad guy? Because I'm not sure, even though he's the villain of this movie, has he done anything wrong? Yeah, I mean, like, I think he's definitely an a- Like, I think that is what I would say, right? Like, I think he's definitely kind of a d- Yeah, um, like, let, let's break this down. He comes in. He offers Wayne and Garth five grand each. He employs them. He gives their friends jobs as the crew on this TV show. Gives them a platform. You know, we're both content creators. If someone came in and gave us $5,000 to do our podcast, we'd be pretty happy, right? Yeah. And if, if he then asked us to give two minutes out of our shows to interview the sponsor, I think we'd be okay with that, right? It's, I think it's. I think <laughs> that's where it is, where it's just like, it's him. I think the idea is that he's going to slowly change the show more and more and more over time right like it's like it's like that yeah big like big business corporate influence like influence in the show and like it's like it's not the same product anymore man like i think it's that kind of mantra right and it's also the thing of at the very least like he was a little too friendly with cassandra for wayne's comfort i'm sure where wayne's like yeah it's kind of like that's kind of my girl here man you're kind of like i don't know i don't like this yeah, he's definitely angling to get with Cassandra, yeah, which like, isn't isn't, yeah. isn't cool. But he's he's not the like he's not an evil villain. Like I no. feel like they almost needed to double down and make him a bit more unlikable. <laughs> I think he's a great like swarmy like record salesman. Where it's like, hey, I could see this guy running like a record label business thing, and like just being kind of sleazy and just kind of be like, ah, oh, it'll be everything's cool, man. Or bad, it's all great. Like stick back my hair, it's awesome. Um, and mm. I think it's like that guy, it works well. But like, again, I said earlier where it's like Rob's little character, again, floats across the line of being like, this holds up and this doesn't hold up. And this could be one of the areas where like, maybe it doesn't hold up. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the part that doesn't hold up is they needed to make him a bit badder. Cause in my view, like Wayne's hundred percent in the wrong. Like he signed a contract. Oh wow. So he I took, don't think he took, that. He took all this money to do this show. For, and the only reason the show is happening is with the money behind it is because of the sponsor. So like it's a movie about Wayne discovering capitalism, really like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work for who's paying you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Wayne's in the wrong, but like it is definitely like, it's just like the most of my show, right? Like I feel like ultimately like an end of this could have been like Wayne and Garth should have been like, we just want to do our show our way. And we're going to like leave corporate sponsor behind and like, just do it. Just go about it our way, man. Back when it was like, 
the way it was. Um, yeah, then they shouldn't have taken the money to start with, right? Yeah. They should have shouldn't have signed the contract. I think it's them learning that lesson of like this is what happened. Like Hollywood and LA gets involved, and yeah. they're like, all right, cool, we're good. We'd rather just do our own thing. Yeah, but I think it's also like we're going deeper into this than they probably intended. But oh, for sure, that's for that's sure. The, yeah. That's <laughs> that's the price of being successful for a lot of people is you have to compromise creative. Yeah, you know your your creative standards to to make a living sometimes and i'm sure that mike myers knows that as 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 the guy that is the comic talent behind this and and had to let the director kind of edit the movie to her liking and not his and any musician that's ever you know had success almost any musician that's had success has probably had to take tips or pointers from a record label or from a producer that's going to say you need to change this lyric or you need to add this line or you need to mm. wear this jacket in this mm. video to to make it sell. So I, I think that the movie starts with Wayne saying he wants Wayne's world to be full-time and this is the opportunity. Yeah. You just have to give this guy an ad to talk about his arcade. He's generously funding the whole show and he wouldn't do it. He quit because of it. <laughs> Can't do it, man. Can't let the man win. <laughs> That's the message is uh, break all contracts, Screw the man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's exactly right. If you're listening right. at home, kids, do that. So who would be the most offended if this, mo- if this movie came out today? I think it's re- relatively inoffensive. Yeah. I don't like r- record labels, maybe. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> TV stations. I don't really like, I don't, I feel like ultimately, yeah, it's a pretty mellow, like largely inoffensive movie. Like, I'm sure somebody's going to find something to be upset about, but like, I feel like on the most part, like it'll be pretty, it'll be pretty clear. Yeah, I think for especially for an early '90s movie, the way it handled Cassandra's character is really great. Like, yeah, right. As an Asian American character, as a woman, she's really empowered and she's mm-hmm. measured. She's not emotional. Like she, like Wayne is clearly the one that gets over emotional at at different points in the movie, and she's the one that's like, you need to leave. Like, she's the she's the mature one really and as much as her race is a big part of her character and there's jokes about it there's nothing to my view that was offensive really Mm. yeah i think i would agree with that yeah i mean it it is a role that she seems born to play because she recorded those songs herself like she's on the soundtrack as the singer of them and just i can't shout out to her enough there is a few times that uh Wayne or whoever used the term mental to describe someone that's being over emotional. I don't think that's a huge problem, but I know that there would probably be some people who mm. work in mental health that mm. have an issue with that. But sure. language evolves, language changes. Yeah. I think that this movie, being a Saturday Night Live product, it's relatively inoffensive to yeah. me. Does it pass the internet relevancy test, Logan, via memes and gifs? Headbanging scene does for sure. I think there are a few moments that we see quite frequently in social media. Yeah, we're not we're not worthy is a really great. Oh yeah, um, I didn't even think about that. Oh my god, yeah, like that whole yeah. scene actually is still really great. Yeah, that's that definitely that was it. that was my runner up to the most iconic yeah. scene, like the, the vision of them bowing before Alice Cooper. Yeah. that's there. Uh, there's a couple times where Wayne gives the thumbs up. You see oh, those right. gifs yeah. around. I was not aware of that. That's a great little mm. screen cap. And I'm sure there are a couple others as well that, like, if you t- type them into your little GIF generator, they'll they'll come up. So I think the movie, as far as being 
what, 27 years old, it, it passes this test. How would smartphones and social media change Wayne's world? I mean, it'd make the show different, right? Like, it would, like Wayne's world would be a podcast now, but like, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, I think there aren't a lot, like, I can't, that's a pretty fundamental way, but like, I feel like otherwise it's pretty good, but like, definitely like Wayne's world would be like a podcast or like a Twitch show, YouTube show now. Hmm. Um, that's like the biggest one, I feel like. Yeah, as far as the plot, I don't think that having smartphones would yeah, change right, that's a whole lot. There's one point where Wayne gets fired. Cassandra gets a phone call from Rob Lowe's character and she has no idea of what's happened between them and mm-hmm. that there's like this animosity between Wayne and, and Rob Lowe. I can't remember his, his name, so I'm just going to call him Rob Lowe. <laughs> but uh, I feel like that is an instance where now she would know everything that happened. She would have got at least texts or tweets or... Mm or whatever, or he would have just called her from his phone to her phone to talk about it. Whereas in this movie, she has no idea. She goes off with Rob Lowe to film the music video and Wayne has to like drive all the way across country to, to get sure. her attention and talk to her. Whereas that would possibly just be a phone call now. <laughs> mm. Okay, fair enough, yeah. But, you know, that's a pretty small thing. I think yeah. that there would be a, a social media campaign to bring sure. back Wayne. Bring if back he Wayne. Was kicked off his, if he was kicked off his own show. Uh, free Wayne. Huge hashtag. Yeah, hashtag free, free Wayne. Wayne. <laughs> and that's, uh, that brings us to, could you make this movie in 2019? And what would that version look like? As you said, I think they'd be YouTubers. That yes, would be the they'd big be thing. YouTubers or Twitch streamers and it'd be a podcast. Um, mm. And like that's like the immediate easy change. What do you think the style of the film would be? That's the thing. Like, I could see it honestly being like a mockumentary. Um, yeah. I could see it being like something like that, like a mockumentary film now, like following their like trials and tribulations. I think they would still maybe have them break the fourth wall because that is like an essential element of the film. But like, I think they would do it in different ways. And I think they would tweak that element. But I think I could see it being a mockumentary or I could see them going the other direction and like making it much more just like a straight comedy. But I, I think YouTubers, Twitch, move for sure. Uh, yeah. and then, yeah, like, I, I like the idea of it being a mockumentary a lot, actually. I'm going to stick with that. That's my answer. They're going to make it a mockumentary. Okay. I like that idea. I think that would work pretty well. I think if they were going to make it a straight comedy, minus the breaking the fourth wall, it would be more in, like, a, the style of something like Harold and Kumar. Yeah, that's what I was White thinking. Castle, or it might be, like, Hot Tub Time Machine, where mm. there are still there are still meta gags, yeah. and there might be, like, a wink at the camera throughout the whole movie, but for the most part it's it's like non-direct fourth wall breaking i think that would work uh, i think there'd have to be some some really great cameos mm. with yeah, modern be, yeah rock stars cameos, i'm sure <laughs> it'd be probably metallica and ozzy osbourne instead of alice cooper perhaps yeah that'd be pretty cool i mean wayne's world 3 do you think it's gonna happen i don't know no. i haven't researched the background no. of this do you think it could ever happen no i mean like how can you say no? Like with the climate of films at the moment, like it's we're getting a Bill and Ted sequel. I think, but I think Bill and Ted, like I think people want that more than they want Wayne's World three, right? Like because I think we got Wayne's mm. World two, right? And like you have that second film, and it's also that thing of, I think a comedy sequels twenty years, twenty five years after the fact have a really terrible track record. But B, yeah, yeah. I think it's more a thing of like I think an essential element of these two characters is that they are like late 20s early 30s kind of guys like making their own show like chasing their passions chasing their dreams and if you made a movie now if they're still in the basement again it'd be like man that's kind of like they didn't do it they didn't make it like i'd be like it'd be like that's i'm really sad like they didn't ever like 
do what they wanted to do kind of thing in any way and it's like that's kind of a bummer so like you do that for like radically change the story make them like either like super successful or they like super failure still but either way it's like a most importantly i don't think mike myers or dana carvey have like a ton of interest to do it again i think they're like mm. yeah we did too we're happy with that we like we've done other things we've gone on to change our kind of what we're doing but b it's like i think out of a lot of 90 movies the like i think we're more i'll say this i think we're more likely to get a straight up remake of the movie than we are to get a wayne's world three that's my oh. answer. We're more likely to get Wayne's World remade than we are to get Wayne's World three. I I don't know. I I don't think that anyone would touch those characters because you just can't replace Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. They're such co- amazing comic talents. I think that would be fool foolish foolish. I agree. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think you're right about those actors not wanting to come back yeah. for it. They've both moved on to different things. I'm not even sure they're that close. I know that there was some beef over um. Mike Myers kind of stealing Dana's impression of Lorne Michaels for Doctor Evil, and that it may it's, like it's been a long time. I'm sure it's been resolved. They've def- he's definitely talked about it uh, in interviews and stuff. But as far as could it work, I think it could, and I think they would like we said just be YouTubers. Like maybe they yeah. they kept they kept doing their show the way they had and continued to you know he continued to work those handnet jobs I- as he called them. By the time like YouTube came around, that was what made them take off, and now they've Explode. got like a really successful YouTube channel, and they have to deal with whatever problem comes up. I don't know. I think a big thing for me is like I just checked with like Dana Carvey's sixty four. It's also the thing like they're also <laughs> in their like sixties now too, where it's like they're like yeah. like I don't. I think the idea of them like putting on the wig and makeup again is just like I don't know. Like we're very <laughs> like we're mm. sixty five year old men now. Like we're like grown up men, and like Dana Carvey's like basically retired from films at this point. Yeah, um like that's he's, true. he's basically just doing like stand-up <laughs> only or like voices and like mike myers still does film but he's like i don't know if he'd want to do this film again right like i think they're older than like jeff daniels and jim carrey are for dumb and dumber mm. or like ben stiller and Owen wilson were for zealander too like these like giant breaks or like anchorman too like they're, they're way older than those guys were when they did the like next one and so i think they're just also like in a different place in their own lives where it's like we're we're like near and kind of the end of this we're not necessarily here to do it again that's a good point which makes me think like they must have been in their late mid to late 30s at the Mm, time of the first film so there you go we'll move on to the steve buscemi spark plug award the contenders ed o'neill the manager of the donut shop Mm. he was great yeah uh alice cooper with his little soliloquy Robert Patrick as the T-1000. That's the winner for me, by the way. That's going to be the winner. <laughs> and then you've got Chris Farley uh, just in his role as the security guard that knows a little too much. <laughs> uh, you've got Robert Patrick. Yeah, because it's such a great cameo. Like, it's such a great, like, wink and, like, nod to Terminator 2. Like, and it's so funny mm. and it's so clever and I think it works really well. Um, like, I like I love that one because it's, like, short, sweet, and it's, like, boom, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a contender for most 90s moment as well because... Yeah, right. It's such a cultural reference, pop culture reference to yeah. the time. I don't know that, like... I mean, I guess everyone has seen Terminator Yeah, that's, too, the, if you, that's if the problem, you, right? If you haven't seen it for 10 or 15 years, if, if you're a young person watching this movie, you might be a little confused about why that's in here. Sure. Even if you do even sure. if you do get the joke, you might be like, why is that here? That's so random. Um, but yeah, they, they movies came out only like a year apart. Yeah. I think that that is possibly one of the issues with this movie and especially Wayne's World 2 is a bunch of 
current references that mm. don't translate. Like sure. there's a whole. They're very yeah of that time, like very like pop culture focused. Yeah, like there was one or two things in this movie that I actually don't understand what the joke is, and I can only <laughs> assume that it's a cultural reference. And I know the second movie has this whole like Jim Morrison. Yeah, the second movie is way worse in that regard. It's like that whole the, act. The, yeah, yeah, there's like the Indian like vision, naked Indian. I had no idea what that was about when I was a kid. I just thought it was weird and, and kind of funny. <laughs> but knowing now that it's a reference to a, a film of that time, it's like, oh, okay, that doesn't quite work so well. So I think in the spirit of this this award, the Sparkplug Award, Robert Patrick doesn't have enough to do. It's a great moment, but he's mm. just kind of like, have you seen this boy? And then it's over. I think I would say Chris Farley doesn't have enough to do as much as I love him. we might He might have a chance to win this award later with billy madison or something but yeah ed o'neill for me like when you get introduced to his character and he's talking about his like how he ended up owning a donut shop and just his dark dark inner monologue that's that cracks me up especially i guess people would have mostly known him as uh al bundy Bundy, married children i almost i almost said ted bundy but no uh and how did how did they name their character Ted Bundy? I mean, Al Ed Bundy, Al, Al Bundy. Bundy. Yeah, I don't know how 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 they get away with that. Alice Cooper's like, Alice Cooper's great, to be fair. As far as celebrity cameos go, he's fantastic. And apparently, yes. he didn't have any lines scripted when he first accepted the role. He just thought he was going to perform his song and say one thing. But he did great with that monologue, and that's a really yes. Cool moment where they kind of subvert the expectation of what his personality would be, but mm-hmm. yeah, Ed O'Neill's the winner for me. He's just a great comic talent, and it's cool to see him as as a younger performer yeah, right. in this movie. Since we've known him so well through Modern Family, I guess. Last question: Is it still a good movie, Logan? Yes, I think so. I think it, like the movie's flawed. Um, the movie's issues, as we've kind of talked about, touched on, but like ultimately, I think Wayne's really funny, and I think. Like we kind of said for like what holds up the best, more than anything else, Mike Myers and Danny Carvey are really funny, right? And like Rob Lowe mm. has his moments and Ed O'Neill has his moments, right? And like the Robert Patrick scene has its moments and Alice Cooper, like the movie has downbeats, the movie has gags that don't work and it has jokes that don't land and there are some dated pop culture references, but from start to finish, there are a series of scenes and moments and jokes that do land and that are really funny. And I think the movie is also just like super important in terms of like the direction of comedy. Um, and like mm. its impact on people also kind of going from SNL to doing their own like taking this character just putting them on film and yeah I think it's funny like I think the Bohemian Rhapsody alone would have maybe been like yeah it's a good movie like I don't think it's one of the greatest comedies ever made but I think it is definitely a good movie and I think it's definitely one of the better comedies um, and certainly of the 90s like mm. that's what I would say like yeah that's fair I think it's a difficult thing to say because it's we're, we're wearing our nostalgia goggles and i think sure. from that perspective you could say yes it's still like it's still worth a rewatch but as far as just is it a standalone good movie in a vacuum i'm not sure i can say it is like if i if i had a 20 year old friend who had no context for the 90s uh had no context for Wayne's World, SNL, any of that, I'm not sure I could tell them to watch this thinking that they would enjoy the whole thing. I think you could. I think I definitely would still. I think Roger yeah, Perconi out there would still enjoy this movie. 
uh, let's hit him up and find out because I, I really would be interested and genuinely curious because I, I think if you're a comedy buff and like you appreciate the mm-hmm. history and how humor has evolved and like where jokes started and things like that yeah I think that you would watch this and appreciate it but I know like as I was sitting there and my wife was walking in and out of the room she was like why do I ha-? like she wanted to watch something else with me and she was frustrated that I had this on because she just didn't get it and it wasn't appealing sure. and it was over the top. And if you don't get, like, this is another thing, like, you might just not get the jokes yeah. as well because of, of I guess, the, the time that's passed. So, I, I yeah, it's hard for me to just say this is a movie for everyone. I think, if you like you said at the start, if you appreciate the 90s, it's definitely for you. But... Yeah, it's a bit tougher than something like Dumb and Dumber mm. or Happy Gilmore. I think those movies Ace hold Ventura. up better. Yeah, Ace Ventura we'll get to in, in a few months. One of my favorite guess, comedies of all time. Yeah, I, I am really intrigued by how that's going to hold up because I had yes. such a, a great love for it as a teenager, yep, but same. I haven't watched I've been scared to watch it's it. Been, it's been a while since I've seen it, but like, <laughs> I, that is absolutely one of my favorite comedy films of yeah. all time. Ace Ventura, love that. Very good. Well, thank you, Logan, for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, it's been great. Appreciate your... Your wisdom, mm. your insights, mm. your Americanness. Oh, it's all, hey. it's all an asset to the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to do literally anything with you, Jono. You're one of the very, very best boys out there. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. And again, as I said before she announced this, this is such an amazing idea that I love. Um, she's going mm. back through 90s comedies. Um, so yeah, it was an absolute blast. Yeah. And I should say thank you for being a patron and for mm. plugging the podcast when it was in that kind of crowdfunding stage mm-hmm. and helping it get across the line i'm glad to have you on the show to bring that full circle yes and uh listeners out there itunes reviews they're the way to go they're the way to tell us that you love us if you want to send me your questions comments and corrections i can record a follow-up mini episode to respond in the weeks between new movies uh that would be pretty fun thing to do i think if you've got your own views or maybe we've said something that has just triggered your sensibilities uh, i'm at Jono himself lefty loggy or lefty logie is lefty where you logie. can find logan mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i mean we're telling people how to find you they have to be able to spell it logan so for that purpose l-e-f-t-y-l-o-g-g-y lefty logie lefty loggie i don't really care uh so back mike so just refuse to only call me lefty loggie but it's fine that's all for this week. You can join us on the next episode with DJ Payne and Sammy Deej to talk about the big Lebowski. Ooh. That's going to be a good one. That'll be a super good conversation. Yeah, I'm very excited. For that. Yeah. Dear listeners, thank you for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Mm. As always, be kind and rewind. <laughs>